Today is a wonderful opportunity for us as we continue our Lenten journey just to, you know, perhaps feel encouraged and lifted up. You know, it was really when I was reading the gospel in this account in Luke about the transfiguration that we heard, there's a certain line that really caught my attention. It says that Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. So you can just imagine them on Mount Tabor, just like, yeah, Jesus. We're here. You know? But since they stayed awake, they saw his glory. They saw Moses, they saw Elijah, which are are representative of the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, who had prepared the way for Jesus to one day come. And we too can feel tired and worn down, not only because of time changes, but because of perhaps our own sinfulness, which can also make it hard for us to see what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes our sins can hinder our ability to have the gratitude for what God is blessing us with, His goodness, or the needs of others, or even to see how God sees us, and to hear what He's calling us to do in our life, or to experience the foretaste of heaven that are possible, even in this life, by a close personal relationship with Jesus through His Word and His commandments. So, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you today, don't worry if you have struggled in your Lenten commitments. In fact, what I want to tell you is how I think you can be sure you've had a successful Lent, okay? Which, of course, is a season whereby we are growing closer to the Lord, preparing for Easter, where we'll renew our baptismal promises, receive some wonderful, cool new people into the Catholic Church, and celebrate the resurrection. So how do you have a successful Lent? Well, I would suggest if you do two things, you have had a successful Lent. The first is what probably what you've already been doing. You've chosen some practices in the areas of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to grow closer to the Lord. And the best prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the things that will most make you follow God's plan for your life, most be close to Him. So when I'm praying, I want to pray deeply from my heart. I want to get maybe a little more prayer in my daily life, my daily, my daily schedule. Maybe when I'm fasting, it could be food, but fasting food-wise is not always the best fasting because it can actually make you cranky. And no one's going to like, oh, mom's doing the fast again. Steer clear. You don't want that, right? So it could be you're fasting from something that's not healthy for you. Or maybe you have a problem with social media or too much television or something else that you say, you know, I need to curb this. It's not healthy, right? We want to fast and hopefully continue that healing and that growth beyond Lent. And almsgiving, we use what God has blessed us with to help others in need with whatever we have, right? We don't all have the same amount, but we can all have the same love in our hearts. So if you have tried to commit to and are striving for something in each of those three areas, even if it hasn't been perfect, your very efforts are already fruitful. And if you say, but, they're, but I'm not doing well, Father, I would say, that's okay. Are you trying? And that trying is already so good. And if you find the struggle is real, then isn't that also good that you now know yourself better and you've got a little more practice? So if you've done that, trying to have some commitment of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, even if you fall and you start right again, don't worry. You're already doing one of the two things that I think are part of a successful Lent. 
Okay, so what's the other part? I would say you can be sure you've had a successful Lent if you've done those and the second thing, which is to have a nice, sincere experience of reconciliation with the Lord. And I'm talking about the sacrament of confession or reconciliation or penance. I don't know why it has all these names, but it's got all the names. So, of course, they all highlight a different aspect of the sacrament. Now, probably as soon as you hear that, you're probably not too uh, dissimilar from the confirmation classes that Father Arpi and I visited. When they were getting ready for their confirmation, we had uh, confessions. And of course, I think it's just part of human nature. When you hear confession, you're like, why do I got to do that? That's scary. And of course, that's normal. There's some normalness to that. Of course, of course. If you didn't feel that ever, I'd, I'd say that's actually unnormal. But what I wanted to tell you today is why confession is a thing at all and why it's not nearly as scary or bad as you might think it is. And so, as I said, Father Arpi and I, we went to the classes uh, for our confirmation. Now, they were already confirmed now, but they were having confession just to repair their heart and their soul for God's grace in that sacrament of confirmation that strengthens us to follow God's plan for our life. And you know what? They were so happy. They were so excited. I told them all the reasons why they didn't need to be scared of confession. They came to us, and they were like clapping. When we were done, they were clapping. They were so happy. You should have seen the joy on their faces. I said, guys, raise your hand if you feel better. And they're all like, woo! They're so happy. And I'm like, was that hard? No. No, it wasn't that hard. But it can seem scary. It can seem hard. So let me tell you some of the reasons why it's a thing and why, like I told them, it's not so bad. You don't have to be scared. So why is confession a thing? Firstly, in the Old Testament, even then you had to confess your sins to a priest. You know, there was some animal sacrifices, depending on your sins, you had a certain animal, you go to the priest, and you had to tell the priest your sins. So it's not a new thing at all, by any means. God set it up already in the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament? Well, in fact, you know, often people will say, well, I don't need to go to confession to a priest, I go straight to God. And I say, please do. <laughs> Please go straight to God. That's great. I like that. Go every day to God. But confession is also a biblical command. For example, in the letter of James, James writes, confess your sins to one another. And at the end of John's gospel, Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on the apostles after he's risen from the dead. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins, you retain are retained. Okay, so how are they going to know what sins to forgive if they don't hear them? So confession is, in fact, a biblical command. And it makes sense. If you have to tell your sins to someone, why not tell them to someone who can't tell them to anyone else, who's going to be really nice to you, and is trained in it, and can offer God's forgiveness for you? Isn't that awesome? So, of course, sometimes it goes on for years and years and we maybe don't go. And maybe it's like a car, you get it cleaned and then you throw something in the back or, you know, it gets dirty and before you know it, it really needs to be cleaned. Well, if that's the case with our hearts, the good news is the Lord is always happy to forgive us. There's no sin too big for his mercy. Okay, so without telling you, getting into more and more about why confession is a thing, hopefully that's enough. But why don't you have to be scared of it? Number one, Father Arpi and I are really, really nice. 
And most priests are. Overwhelming majority. All my experiences of confession, and I've gone a lot, have been positive. Very, very powerful and fruitful. In fact, some of the most beautiful, healing, and life-changing experiences for me have been in the sacrament of reconciliation. Number two, we forget your sins really, really quickly. Because number three, your sins are not as interesting, exciting, or shocking as you think. After thousands and thousands of them, we're not hearing anything new. It's really mostly the same. Number four, we can't tell anyone else about them, nor would we want to, because of what we call the seal of confession. So a priest can't tell any of the sins he hears in confession. In fact, this might surprise you, but a priest would have to rather die before he tells the sins he's heard in confession. In fact, many priests have died for that reason. And you might say, well, what about if they did something, if the penitent did something really, really bad? Well, we'd say that we would encourage them if they needed to, you know, go to lawful authorities and turn themselves in. But we ourselves cannot do that because that would violate the sacredness of that seal. And if there was no seal, would everyone really want to go to confession? Number five, you will feel way better. Trust me. I see it all the time. People feel so relieved, just like I was when I hadn't been to confession for like a decade. I went I didn't know that I needed it. I mean, I knew I needed it, but I didn't know I needed it that bad. And thankfully, God is so good. You'll feel so relieved, really free, strengthened. Okay, speaking of free, number six, it is free. People pay big bucks for this kind of stuff, but it's free. And it does a lot more good than a lot of things people are spending money on to feel good. So it's free. It doesn't cost anything to go to confession. Number seven, you can come, uh, there's lots of times you can come during scheduled times, which in our parish we have before all the masses, uh, or you can make an appointment. Or, number eight, you don't have to go to your parish priest. You know, some of these will say, well, I don't know if I feel comfortable going to this priest. He knows me. Well, the good news is you can go to any priest you want. You can call up another parish and say, hey, can I make an appointment to go to confession? It's that easy. And they'll say, sure, when do you want to come? It's very simple. Number nine, you get to know the priest in a different way. You develop a friendship. You develop a, a beautiful relationship as you get to hear the priest encourage you and lift you up in that time. Number 10, your priests don't think less of you. We actually think more highly of you after you make a nice, sincere confession. Trust me, we know it's not always easy. And we are the most impressed and inspired and uplifted by those souls who are courageous to come to Jesus in that sacrament. It's beautiful. I mean, it, it's, it's honestly one of my favorite things to do um, because it just, it's so beautiful to see God at work in people's lives. So you actually honor us. We don't think less of you at all. Number 11. It's a lot easier to go if you go more often. <laughs> if you wait for a long time, it can get a little harder or scarier in our mind, it can get built up, but it's not that bad. Number 12, you will learn a lot about yourself when you go, and about God and his mercy, how treasured you are by God. There's no sin, like I said, too big for his love. He is more excited to forgive you and heal you and bless you than you are to receive it. Number 13, it doesn't take that long, especially compared to what you get out of it. Number 14, confession reduces the power of evil over you and your life. Sometimes past sins can haunt us. They weigh on us. But that can all be gone. Wouldn't it be so freeing to have all those things you regret doing be washed away 
completely forgiven. Wow, that is exactly what Jesus wants to do for you. It's such a beautiful thing. It's so freeing. 15, it will help you forgive yourself, especially if you've struggled with something you've done that you just can't forgive yourself for. If God forgives you, then we have to forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it would be prideful for us not to forgive ourselves then. Number 16, if you don't know how to go to confession, priests are really, really used to helping people. Even if it's been 20, 50, 70, 90 years, and you say, I don't know how to do it anymore, Father. We say, don't worry, we'll make it easy. And we know how to guide you and make it easy, so don't worry about that. Again, number 17, these kids, these students, they clapped and were so happy. I think we will feel the same way when we go. If they thought it was awesome, maybe me and you even more when we go. 18, there's lots of opportunities. As we said, we have them scheduled here. Also during Lent, we have an all-day day of confessions. We also have another evening uh, called the Adoremus, which is Latin for we adore, where we have the Lord Jesus uh, exposed in the Eucharist and confessions with many priests. And wherever you see that green light, by the way, over the door, green means go, means you can come on in. Red light means someone else is experiencing God's mercy, but you can come in after. 19, the church says it's a precept that we should do every year, and, uh, but more is better, right? That's a bare minimum. It's not the target. And the last but not least, number 20, we not only receive God's forgiveness in this sacrament, but also many other blessings and graces on top of that, especially graces to overcome our sins and to help us in our struggles. So I know that seems a little long, but I tried my best to, to really tell you and sell it to you because it is such a gift. So as we might feel tired sometimes too, like the apostles, things weigh on us, no matter how our Lent has been so far. Let's come to the Lord. You can know you had a successful Lent. If you tried your best to do some kind of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and you have a good, sincere confession, A plus on your Lent, if you do that. So I hope you'll prayerfully reflect on that, and that the Holy Spirit will inspire you.